Hey friends, my guest today is a professional photographer. And I tell you what, you got to go check out his website over at jordanengley.com. I really love the images he's put together over there. He's He's got such an eye for capturing incredible shots and the patience to wait for nature to make it happen. I had an awesome time chatting it up with him. It was cool to hear his method for capturing landscape photos and also his opinion on some current events in popular culture. So here he is, my friend, Jordan Ingley. So. Hi, how's it going? <laughs> it is well. Mm-hmm. Cheers. Mm-hmm. You know, Sunday morning, here you go. Bing. Yeah, nobody has to know what time it is. That's true. That's yeah. cool. Okay. <laughs> Sound like I have anything else better to do. I know, same here. This is, uh, we're finally getting into summer, man. I know. Yeah, I, it's warm, it's hot. Yeah. I've been enjoying the 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 cooler weather this this June and July so far. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, when it's blue, blue, bluebird sky out there, I, you know, as a photographer, I'm like, eh, whatever, I'll just stay inside. Yeah. But it's Milky Way season too. So I like to get out and shoot, shoot stars. And where, where do you go to do that? Um, you know, um, basically wherever it's dark, uh, some of my favorite spots are kind of like Mount Adams wilderness or, uh, Mount St. Helens is a great place to get out to see it. Um, the coast, you know, uh, when there's not a marine layer Mm -hmm. is a great place to go shoot the Milky Way. Marine layer. So, uh, during the summer, um, when it gets hot on land, it tends to, stay uh there's like a a thick cloud lower cloud level cloud layer that kind of hangs off the coast so like the heat from uh the 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 mainland kind of just keeps that moisture uh you know low and off the coast so um and they they get it really bad in like san francisco too yeah but kind of like the hot summer seasons um basically that marine layer snuffs out the sun or like any sort of sunset you might get or the Milky Way or anything like that. Yeah. Um, Milky Way is usually in like south to southwest, um, sometimes kind of uh, southeast kind of okay. angle. So um, depending on where you are in the coast and stuff like that, um, the yeah, the marine layer could get just kind of like snuff out everything you got, you know. And so you just take a tripod and set up and do uh, a long exposure? Yeah, um, you know, with with night photography, nightscapes or astrophotography, um, it's a little bit more complicated than that nowadays. But to get started, the best thing is like, yeah, tripod with a camera, um, sort of long exposure. Mm-hmm. Um, there, uh, the goal is to again open up the shutter on the camera to get as much light in. Um, but what's interesting about shooting uh, like astro or stars or nightscapes is that uh, our planet's moving and the stars are moving. And if you do too long of a shutter, uh, too long of a shutter speed, long exposure, um, you'll actually get star trails. So depending on the focal length of your lens, um, you have a certain kind of window of how long of an exposure you can use before the stars start to trail. Okay. Um, so when you shoot like ultra wide or, or wide angle, anything from like 14 millimeter to 24 millimeter, is kind of the the good zone, kind of a um, good place to be when you're shooting astro, and it gives you the ability to like have a shutter speed in the realm of like 10 seconds to 15 seconds uh, before the stars start to streak. Um, 
if you go to like a tighter focal length, like 50 millimeters or, or anything like that, 75, 80, hundred, um, that exposure time gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Um, so a lot of folks will do, um, that's why people use like star trackers, um, which essentially like you, you train it on the North star and Polaris, Mm -hmm. and then it tracks the movement of the stars as your exposure is open. You set it in camera. Um, yeah, you set your exposure in camera, but the tracker itself is like a moving head. Okay, okay. That is, once it's aligned to the North Star, then it knows how much it needs to move and sort and, and to track. And it kind That's of like, cool. it kind of tracks it, um, you know, not just panning. It's kind of like a pan and tilt type thing. And, a lot, uh, you know, there's, there's like two, there's two different, I wouldn't say just two different, but, um, in the world of nightscapes, there's kind of the folks who just do single exposure type work. Um, and then there's the people that do all sorts of compositing, which will be like, I'll shoot my, you know, shoot the foreground. I'll uh, get the background of all that part, all those parts shot separately. And then I'll shoot the stars separately and blend them into each other. Yeah. And when you use like a star tracker, because your move, because your camera is moving with the stars, um, all of your foreground and your background gets blurry. Yeah. So you have to, it's like more steps and you have to like know how to um, post-process it well enough to, to blend it in. So, um, it looks as natural as possible or yeah. as unnatural as possible. Mm-hmm. Some people really like going that way with it. And so what, what is your, what is your favorite thing to shoot? Do you enjoy doing landscapes or do you, would you prefer, uh, I mean, do you like doing portraits? Do uh, you- yeah. Landscapes, landscapes as here. a gen- general term is probably my yeah, my favorite type of photography. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, it's a it's a weird thing because I'm you know like I was explaining I, I'm, I've been like trying to finish up my website and kind of like my own personal promotion with with my work and trying to define it as just landscape where like sometimes it's cityscapes, sometimes it's seascapes, sometimes it's nightscapes, um, other times it's just nature photography, other times it's abstract work I'll be doing, but Mm -hmm. most of the time it's nature and landscape based. Um, I really love seascapes. I kind of really, uh, I feel the most centered and at home, like on the coast and like feet in the water. And, um, I like to really get, I, I wear like gaiters, waders and like, uh, you know, socks that allow me to get into the water. Mm -hmm. I like to get in, you know, down and close to things and, get splashed and yeah you know um and there's like mo- water in motion is there's just so many opportunities for unique images because mm-hmm. water's flowing and every frame you take could be is a unique frame to you yeah for sure you know versus if you go to horseshoe bend in arizona or mesa, mesa arch in you know utah it's just a sun and a rock yeah it's static yeah yeah um and there's definitely great images to be made that way, but I, you know, I'm always trying to find a, a, a way to uniquely create images that are mine. Yeah. Um, and it's a, it's a crazy world with like landscape photography now because social media is, you know, there's so many people with cameras and so many great artists out there. So it's, it's kind of even harder to try to make a, uh, a mark for yourself. Yeah. To do something unique. Mm hmm. Um, and you know, like anything like music, um, you know, we're always trying to learn, like we learn from the, the greats, you know, like you, you have to go and learn how to play Blackbird by the Beatles, you know, or Stairway to Heaven, or if you're not that good yet, you're learning, 
Johnny be good or whatever mm-hmm. you got to do to like, you know, understand where music came from. And similarly with photography, it's like you have to go to these icons and go through these steps and processes to learn like where Ansel Adams shot or why his images are so prolific. Well, and that's the crazy thing too about now versus any more than like 20 years ago is mm-hmm. so I never shot film. I only shot digital and digital is so flexible because you get to look at it right away. Yep. You get to tell if what you're doing is right. I can't imagine the uh, time and effort it took to shoot film and wait you know, yep. you could you could blow an entire roll of film, like the the best stuff you think you've ever shot and get back to to process it. And it's all just garbage. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's I, I you know, I, uh, I I spent so much I, I played music and taught music for years before I really got into landscape photography. And it's kind of always intertwined itself through my life. And it's I always lean back on it where similarly back when, you know, music was pre-digital, you know, you had to record the tape. And it was like every take was more important. It cost money to yeah. take the take. Yeah. Um, at least then you could still listen back to it. But yeah, when with film, it's it's a whole other world. And it's really interesting to meet photographers who grew up in that time, who transitioned into digital, who never even, you know, who and versus people who never, like I never shot film either. Yeah. Um, the closest that, from what I understand, you could get to it is shooting nightscapes because you're kind of out in the dark and you take your camera and you you take a picture and you kind of have to wait and you wait to see what happens, <laughs> yeah. you know, and you're yeah. like, whoa, when, you know, you just any camera you have, you, you know, boost its ISO or gain and, and open up the shutter and you just your mind gets blown because you now you're seeing things that you can't see with your own eye. Yeah. Um, and then a lot of times, like what I really love about like the other part of photography is processing and being able to take it back into the studio and manipulate it and make it you know uh make it sing you know and a lot of it's like i'm out shooting um i'm i'm real big about using all the tools i have to create images that you normally couldn't ever even imagine you know or like um or your brain can't even like see or your eyes can't see so i i i'm out shooting to composite and to collect all the bits and pieces i want for when um I go back to process it, I can kind of put it all together. Yeah. You know, um, and it's not just, you know, overlaying, uh, you know, an animal or, you know, just dropping in a sky because there are people who do that. Um, and there's this like really blurry line between photographer and digital artist there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I, I feel like I'm trying to create an image that, represents what I was kind of feeling and mm-hmm. seeing when I was there. Yeah. Um, as well as just make something awesome, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm really into like, a, you know, just, I was a geek forever and like into, into mythical creatures and comics and graphics and animation forever. So, yeah. um, you know, photography has been the like best source of artistic output that I could have, you know? Yeah. Um, and cause I can just, I can be, I can be, you know, like with like, I can be God basically with the images that I'm creating, you know, and then, you know, you get into the Bob Ross level where you're just like, here's a little happy tree, a couple <laughs> yeah. little fellas down here. And, 
you know? Um, and then I don't, I'm like, I've been a horrible, like I'm a horrible drawer of horrible handwriting. So photography has been this way that I've been able to like, kind of just, you know, uh, have an out, a creative output that, um, I'm pretty decent at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, I saw your stuff on the website and yeah, uh, it, it looks really good, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. It's an interesting thing because I, you know, for years I, I shot, I shot a lot of concerts and events. Um, I kind of like from gigging and playing music as I got more into media and production. Um, I was just, I was working with a bunch of different venues in town, um, shooting concerts and, um, and, and there you're kind of like, I, I guess you're more of a fly in the wall, you know? Um, which is also why I'm not really so much into, uh, portraits and stuff and like weddings, you know, I mean, weddings, you can kind of, it's still an event sort of a thing, but I'm, you know, I like not, I like observing, you know, yeah. and see, and capturing what's going on. Um, so, you know, it, it kind of concerts got me in this realm of, of getting used to reacting to light, you know, I think is the biggest thing. Um, most folks who start shooting concerts are stuck in a grungy, grungy ass like bar where the lighting sucks and whatever. Um, but I was like lucky to really work with some some good bands that had good lighting mm-hmm. and and to to be able to be like on my toes to constantly be looking for, you know, how the light reacts off of people and trying to find little moments um, where, you know, somebody might be making a, a facial expression or like right after singing like a really powerful line, you know, there's that feeling in their face. And I realized that I, you know, being somebody who went to who's, you know, I, I was going to concerts all the time. I played music. I, you know, I, I understood that a lot of, um, uh, you know, I understood that somebody in the crowd doesn't get to see some of these things. Sure. So as a photographer, I'm, I can kind of deliver that to people and like show them some angles and some things that were part of the experience, but you know, um, they weren't able to experience as I did. Yeah. Well, the other thing I don't think people realize either is that when you're shooting anything live, like a concert or a wedding or whatever, you're, you're snapping the shutter six times for every moment. Yeah, because somebody's eye looks weird or their lips doing something weird, you know, and you have to you have to have options. You're not mm-hmm. just clicking it once and yeah. then there it is. When it goes back to the film thing you were talking about, like you couldn't do that with film, really. I mean, you could, but you just be blowing through rolls of. Oh, yeah. Rolls of uh, um, a film just to get something. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, I, uh, when I was shooting concerts all the time, I was shooting thousands of photos a night to keep 50 yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, more more than uh, more often than not, your job was to make people look as good as possible. Yeah. And for anybody who who's been to shows or plays music or seen themselves whilst playing music, um, most of the time you're making the cum face, you know, <laughs> or yeah. the, oh, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know. So, you know, I could, I wouldn't have been um, hired as often if I posted those photos. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, and but at the same time, you want to capture emotion and you want to find, you know, ways that are are telling, you know, have, telling a story, you know, and having a conversation with the viewer. For sure. Um, I find that photography is a is really a communicate. You know, uh, photography is really about communication. 
Um, it's a, I feel it's like a communicative art. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's, it, I like to say it's kind of like, you know, if a tree falls in the woods, right. If nobody's there to see it, does it fall? Yeah. If you make an image that nobody sees is an image, you know I mean? And maybe it's just you, maybe you take pictures for your own need or you take snapshots or whatever. But the point of taking an image is to have somebody look at it yeah, um, and to view it and try to connect with it. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's been interesting to transition that from like humans to, you know, inanimate objects like mountains yeah, <laughs> or trees. Yeah. And I'm trying to always think in my head other than just capturing a really awesome scene. It's also, what am I trying to communicate to people? Yeah. You know? So you, you have more, uh, more forethought into scouting a location and waiting for, um, uh, time of day for, for where the sun is going to be. Like you're you're actually like planning that stuff out. It's not just like, Hey, I'm going to go camping and maybe I'll get some, some pictures. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's transitioned to, and I have to like limit myself sometimes. Sometimes I just need to go out, but you know, now because of, um, scheduling and timing and, and whatever, it's really, you know, important to plan. Um, because if I go and I drive five or six hours to a location or have to hike six miles into something or, you know, um, et cetera, et cetera, if the weather sucks, you know, you can't make an image, um, which is a whole other thing. I, 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 I try to work. I never allow the weather to suck, you know? So if it's really blue out, I go shoot other things than the sky. Yeah. Um, or if it's really cloudy out, I, I might go into the forest and try to get more moody, you know, foggy trees, you know, um, when it's really sunny out, I like to go to the forest and get cool light breaking through yeah. on, and on stuff. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, a uh, it's a lot of planning. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's quite a few apps and tools out there nowadays. Um, I use one called photo pills, which allows you to plan like on a, on a topographical map, where the sun and moon and Milky Way will be. Okay. And then it has an AR mode. So you can actually like put it out on the sky and see where the Milky Way will move through the sky. So you can get out to a location and say, okay, at 1045, the Milky Way is going to be like this over top of a mountain. Yeah. And, you know, I can get my composition set up um, and be ready for it. Sure. Um, and a lot of times when you're shooting, like when I shoot nightscapes, I'll take images from, um, uh, I'll take I'll do like blue hour shots where there's still a glow and light on the foreground. So Mm -hmm. I don't have to do really, really long exposures and then wait for the stars to come and then take my other image. Um, And it's, you know, it's really meditative, you know, to be out and kind of just be in that space and just kind of wait and just, you know, be calm for it. Yeah. Um, Other times it's like crazy weather and clouds and rain and, um, I mean, I, I try to always run into storms whenever possible, mm-hmm. um, you know, or the back end of storms is where the best light can happen because okay. as the clouds pass, you know, that's when the sun can break through and yeah. it's the, it's the, it's a combination of light and, and atmosphere that create like warmth and colors and, yeah. and drama. You know? Well, it's cool too, cause you're kind of working with the elements it's mm-hmm. kind of like you're you're on a team like you're on a, a basketball team together and you're working to 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 figure it out and you're waiting for for the rain to do something you're waiting for the sun to do something mm-hmm. and then just slide right in there and get that get that moment that you didn't anticipate 
Well, and similar to like the concert thing I was talking about, you you have to also be on your toes because you might be like, here's the shot I've been thinking about. But then over here, you know, the lights like hitting the trees or yeah. like there's a rainbow, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, um, or just the other night I was out shooting Milky Way and I was with my buddy Nick Page. And, you know, we, our goal was, uh, you know, there was we, there's this uh, beautiful uh, um meadow of lupins you know the purple flowers and like in deep in the mount adams wilderness and we're out out there for milky way and we're like oh i wonder if we'll see the comet and then it's like you know we're shooting 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 then we turn around i'm like oh there's a comet right there so it's like take my other camera point it over here and then now i'm getting you know two shots out of it yeah um you know it's one of the reasons i love landscape photography is that um I love to plan. I love to be like, really know what I'm doing and trying to, you know, it's my girlfriend will tell me I'm, I'm a little bit too anal about it, you know? Um, but at the end of the day, once you get out in nature, all bets are off, you know, and it's kind of like improvisation. You kind of have yeah. to flow with it. So you kind of prep yourself as much as possible. Just like you go to a show, you know, you go into the shop, you get all your stuff set out and you throw in 10%, 20% extra gear. Cause you never know what's going to happen. You know? Yeah. And it's the magical times of that mixture that like creates some of the most memorable photos for me, you know, or sure. like the things you didn't expect. Um, and, you know, and, and now I've gotten to the place I feel with my photography that I can not get like bummed that the original plan didn't happen. And I can like still create images with yeah. other tools to try to like make, you know, something I'm happy about, you know, and walk away with something. Um, and sometimes you don't. And it's just the experience of being out there, you know. And How often do you go yeah. out and hike somewhere for six hours and not get anything that you enjoy? It's been a while since I haven't gotten anything <laughs> yeah. and hiked six miles. Um, but you know, I, as often as, <clears throat> as often as I could, um, I, I try to, uh, man, I, I, I typically bring too much equipment with me to like go six, six miles without knowing that I'm like really into it. Um, yeah. or if it's going to be like a backpack overnighter or something like that, that's where I'd be able to, um, you know, justify that as much. Um, you know, nowadays it's been weird because of the whole COVID thing, obviously. And it's uh, the times I've been out have been just interesting to kind of like try to juggle why I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, you know, I, I I was recently out in Wyoming. Uh, I went out there for I was working with a workshop that was uh, teaching a photography workshop for a week. And I was brought on to film it okay. kind of um, for the workshop leader who wants the footage of him teaching and the locations to create promo footage for himself. So that was a really cool mix of like a filming video of nature photography um, and kind of melding the two. Yeah. But I mean, as soon as I left town, I got like, I kind of felt weird and nervous, you know, cause I'm like, what am I doing? I'm just going to take pretty pictures right now. <laughs> um, and of course it was in Wyoming and like nobody was wearing a mask. It was like people's kids were running around. Restaurants were wide open. Mm-hmm. People, it just, nobody was even paying attention to it. And, yeah. You know, um, I managed to get, I'm pretty sure I got some uh, altitude sickness and I was doing sunset and sunrise every day for a week. So in the mid, mid June, that meant, you know, we, I was out shooting till like 10, 30, 11 at night and I was up at three thirty four every day. Damn. Because sunrise is at six. Yeah. To get 
to a location with enough time to scout and find a composition to, you know, get settled. And, you know, you need you need yourself at least an hour or two before sunset or sunrise happens. So I about halfway through that trip, I started, I was like dizzy and nauseous and I started feeling like crap. And then like we finished at the workshop and I just hauled ass out of there. And the whole drive back, it was this whole mental fuck of just like, what am I doing? Like, yeah. God. And I got back and I was like, I called the, I called my doctor. I was like, I feel this, this, and this. I was in Wyoming. They're like, all right, come on down. We'll test you. It's like, okay. And I came back negative. I was like, okay, cool. That helps a little bit, but you know, um, th- it's just a different time now. And yeah. I realized like, I know, I know of quite a few, um, photographers that are still teaching workshops right now, but most aren't. Well, a lot of it's uh, online, right? Or are they still doing in-person stuff? Yeah, a lot of it is, but um, a big part of the industry has been on-site workshop location trips. Right? Mm-hmm. Like a lot of um, a lot, like a lot of the professional photographers in like landscape and nature photography support themselves from taking people out on photo tours or workshops, and that yeah. was like ultimately where I was trying to go with my own photography business too, but it brings in a whole round of questions now about social distancing. And, um, you know, uh, a lot of times it would be like, you know, I've, I've been on a handful of my own workshops and I've worked a couple of them. I haven't taught my own yet. Um, but I've been around them for a while and, you know, it's, you know, hotels, you know, um, or cabins. Uh, sometimes it's camping. A lot of a lot of uh, teachers will be like, "We're going to go out to the back, you know, into the woods for a week." Yeah, that's know? cool. Um, and there's people who, you know, it's like it just become big business. And a lot of it's traveling. A lot of it's like getting to places like the Faroe Islands or Iceland, or uh, you know, going down to Argentina and Patagonia or Alaska and. Um, you know, and now like we're not allowed to fly to any of those places, yeah. uh, you know, so uh, I, a lot of these folks are hurting and struggling and this particular workshop was something that was booked. It was in a national park that was open, you know, X, Y, and Z. But even then when I brought up to the, you know, I was like, Hey, you know, I'm going to be wearing my mask. Should we, you know, should, do you want images of people wearing masks that might make your workshop group look like you're safe? And of course, like the folks who were on that workshop were from like Utah and they were just like, I don't need a mask. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, CD, you know, whatever, you know, and it's okay. That's fine. But like, it's, it goes back to human decency of like how, how you, what you do is affecting other people and what you're representing and what you're showing. Sure. Stuff like that. Sure. As we sit here without masks. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and it's hard, you know, it's, you know, and life is all about gauging, you know, uh, it's, it's, it, there's always a chance of dying, you know, you know, it's a risk, risk assessment, you Mm -hmm. know, this particular situation was like, they shared a cabin, they, they all shared a car and I was like, I want nothing to do with that. Yeah. That's pretty close quarters. I was, I was like, I'm getting a hotel and I'll drive my own rig and I'll be out here with a long lens Mm -hmm. getting you like from over here. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, the, I guess coming back to the, you know, the workshop stuff, it's, it's, you know, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a struggle. You know, I know a lot of, um, photographers who've already had established, you know, outlets of, of digital learning have been doing pretty well through this. Um, but it's, it's all like anything, um, 
unknown of what's going to be happening for the next year or two. You know? Yeah, I, nobody knows for sure. That's cool to hear you say though that you're interested in in leading workshops. You yeah. do do you have do you find yourself feeling quite a reward from the act of teaching people? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I um I used to teach music in my twenties. Um, when I got out of college um, and I moved out here, I worked in a music store um, teaching guitar and piano I did okay. that for about four or five years, and then got into gigging and writing music and trying to trying to make it as, yeah. a, as a musician. Um, and as that world fell apart because just, you know, uh, you know, you're, you're in a band with a bunch of, a bunch of people. Um, it's just hard, you know, to be super hard. Yeah. yeah um, and you know, not only just write good music, but also to have like interpersonal skills that will allow things to occur like that. Um, the teaching thing was helping me give back to people. And it was like, it was really, um, it just felt really good to be able to share information and to be a person who could, um, uh, like open people's eyes and kind of set them on their path to also create, you know, and, and to make music. Um, and as I shifted more into live events, like I was less on stage and more backstage. Um, and in it, I was starting to make more money and a more of a career out of being backstage. The teaching part kind of fell off. Yeah. Um, and it's been a goal of mine for the last like year and a half or two to like shift more of my um, time and business into photography. So the teaching part is going to be kind of, you know, uh, has been the plan to uh, bring back, you know, and it's like now that I've been doing photography for so long, I feel like I'm at a place that I can teach people how to do it, you know, and, and, you know, give back in a lot of ways and, you know, and people want to learn that stuff, you know? Um, Well, yeah, it's easier to learn from an individual in an environment like that, where you can ask questions mm -hmm. uh, as opposed to just like watching an online tutorial or something. Exactly. Um, The tutorials are huge though. I mean, like I, I still remember years and years ago, like I, I, I've been teaching myself things off of tutorials for 10 years. Yeah. Years, same here. You know? It's how like, I learned everything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Even before like YouTube was YouTube, it was like, I was really, you know, um, it was great to learn that way. And, yeah. but yeah, the, the, there's been uh, a growing industry for more in-person conferences too, with photography, which has been really cool. And, kind of again sucks because it all crashed with with the covid as well like up until about last year i was actually last year i worked two different photography conferences and this year i was supposed to work another three um and getting involved with you know combining the corporate av world that we've been in to for so long with something i actually love doing Mm -hmm. (laughs) versus all the stuff that we do the events for to get paid yeah Mm -hmm. um yeah it's nice when you can enjoy what you're doing and and make money at it yeah. And, you know, I've, I've been, but it's, I've, last year I was in Portland a total of um, probably two and a half months out of the 12 months of the year. And I was gone for the rest of that time. Yeah. Um, and I was just finding myself in random hotel rooms and ugly carpet hallways. Dude, that's the worst when you wake up and you're like, where the fuck am I? Mm-hmm. What, what? Oh, I'm in Denver. That's right. Yeah. It's, yep. Oh, I'm in another ballroom. Uh-huh. You know, it's like people are like, oh, you travel so much. It must be awesome. I'm like, yeah, ballrooms look like ballrooms, man. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it, 
you know, it's crappy lighting and, you know, forced air AC and I'm behind five screens staring at a PowerPoint presentation yeah. or video cameras of things I don't give a shit about. Yeah. You know? yeah. Sometimes they were, you know, uh, I've gotten some, I've had some cool, cool events where I was like, okay, this is fun. But 90% of the time it's just, you know, I'm there to just put pretty pictures on the screen. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to explain that to people sometimes. I mean, cause I've done shows like one of the worst ones I can remember was in Vegas for, I think we were there for eight or nine days and we were at the venue from 7 AM to 10 PM mm -hmm. every single day. Like we, we didn't do anything other than hang out at the venue, eat shitty fast food and sleep. Yep. And so, yeah, sometimes you get those and sometimes you get the good ones where you can actually yeah, Build like a couple vacation days on either side of it, like, you know, I've been to like Palm Springs at like a huge resort where like I had my own hot tub outside yeah. of my own Pueblo house, you uh -huh. know, and I was on like a weird little, it was a shoe gig and it was like some weird little tiny room breakout for a shoe release that was super secret. And like my gig was, uh, my gig was, I was, uh, we, we took a room, um, we took a room, like I just said, like a regular meeting room, and we built inner walls to it that were all like white men in black. And the floor was men in black mm -hmm. with these egg chairs and like LED lights and like, and then it was this huge screen and VR goggles and this like, this like, you know, hot chick came in with the shoes and opened them up. And my job was I ran, I ran all the media through it. Um, and I was behind the fake wall that they had to like, Velcro suction cut me into and like literally like I'd go in they'd like open up the wall I'd go in there and I'd have my like my media server and like a couple speakers oh yeah, yeah and they'd shut me in and people would walk in and I would run like uh uh, instructions on what they had to do. Uh, Walk here, step here, put on your goggles, sit yeah. down and all this stuff. And then it was just loud music. And so I'd go in there and, and I'd do like four hour stints, you know, and they'd let me out. They like, got a pee. I'm like, yes, you know, <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, three liter bottles full. Yeah. Oh God. Um, but like that gig, I'd only do like four hours a day. And then they're like, cool. We'll see you tomorrow. I'm like, all right. You know? And then yeah. I was just like hot tub. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And, you know, you win some, you lose some. I, I kind of believe in gig karma, you know, like you got to win them, take them when you can, you know, because, you know, uh, sometimes you, you know, you get to, you know, bill out and, and make thousand dollar days for doing nothing. And then other times you're, you know, you're work to the bone outside in hot, sweaty weather. Yeah. And hating life. Yeah. You know, questioning your life, your, choices. your life choices. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's been, you know, that's 2020 is the year of questioning your life choices. That's for sure. Yeah, so. there's a lot, there's a lot of new uh, career paths uh -huh. being chosen at this point. Yeah, it's it's a trip. Um, so yeah, I mean, photography's been my release, and like I was saying, it's like meditative and zen for me. It's like uh, it lets me get away from people. That's why another I love nature and landscape photography is because it is pretty solitary. And I, I've come to realize over the years that I'm, I am pretty introverted in a lot of ways. Like I, I'm like a mix. Like I have a lot, like at, when I was in the bands and I, I've always been in the forefront with that, I was like team captains and all that kind of, in, you know, my teens and my twenties and stuff. Um, but I've come over the years now to realize that it's more energizing to be solitary sometimes. And that like, I need that to just kind of recharge myself. Mm -hmm. And especially when I'm working, you know, 100,000 person music festivals or huge conferences and it's just 
Well, yeah, it comes from having a choice when you're when you're forced to hang out with people and and be like on all the time. That's when you need a chance to step away and just self-reflect on everything that's going on. And for me, like I can't be as creative with other people as I can be alone because like it just comes to me when it comes to me. I don't. Yep. It's hard to just like search for it. Sometimes you're just sitting on your couch and then it happens. Yep. Yeah. And that's where, I mean, the beauty of, of nature and getting out is that like, you know, out of all the shows and concerts I have worked, I still get blown away by the show Mother Earth puts on, you know, like almost every day. Yeah. You know, and the beauty that is out there that all you have to do is just, you know, get out into it. And um, I struggle I struggle sometimes with just putting, pulling myself out of, out of like this, this rigmarole that we go through to like, just get myself out. And as soon as I'm like out on the edge of like a little lake or, or, you know, under the stars or, you know, on the coast, watching some waves crash on some rock, I'm just like, I'm, I'm immediately pulled out and centered, you know? Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, well, like music, it was always about having your gear set up so you could just be like, okay, there's no barriers for me to like sit down and play guitar. There's my stuff. You yeah. Know? Uh, photography, it's it's a little bit harder because you have to like get out to do it. But I keep my gear on hand is like right there. I can just grab my bag, grab my tripod and I'm out. You well, know? that's the benefit nowadays in having 4K cameras in your pocket. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, it took a while. It took 10 years, but- the 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 cameras on smartphones are pretty good. I mean, you can you can achieve a lot with one of those. I mean, you don't really get the same um, uh, zoom and and focal uh, adjustments, but um, the way that that has overcome DSLRs is is pretty nuts. Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, even now the Google Pixel two or three or whatever. I'm, 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 I'm an iPhone guy, but, um, uh, you can, you can shoot Milky Way and astrophotography with these phones now. Um, you know, cause they allow you to, you know, you can put your camera, your phone on a tripod and just open up the shutter or whatever on the camera. They're, they're not real shutters, um, but essentially you can set your exposure a really long time and then it just, you know, you can shoot stars with these camera phones. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I feel like the the success of landscape and photography in general has been it, it's been a give and take with it because um, the advent of these camera phones has have allowed everybody to be a photographer and then has blown up things like Instagram and Facebook. But then it makes people want more or like be more uh, um, receptive to other photography and has, you know, like the whole reason that all these photographers can teach workshops and make money off their accounts or their YouTube channels is because people have these phones. But, you know, I'll bring it back down to music again and think about the effect of digital, like file sharing had on the music industry. Yeah. Um, And back when that was going on, it just decimated the music music industry you know because all this free music and people could steal it and even now it's like you know now it's like i haven't downloaded an illegal file in so long because i have spotify exactly you but know? that's that's a disappointing part is that have you seen the rates that oh, people get they from, get nothing for they it. get nothing mm-hmm. so i mean people can't even make money 
releasing music anymore unless you're taylor swift or whatever like well, and it you was, have to make money touring yep and now you can't tour yeah you perform yeah and selling merch and stuff like that yeah so i mean just to keep the parallel going um like photography and music like a uh, photographer's concert is teaching workshops you know or and very similar a lot of musicians like make their money not from playing but they teach they teach they play in five bands they you know, really teach, you know, I mean, that's, it's really the only route to make money as a musician is to teach music. Um, uh, and so, you know, photography is very much the same way. I mean, you know, it's not like you can easily get in net, you know, national geographic anymore and nobody buys stock photography anymore because everybody has a phone, Yeah, you know, and all these, um, you know, all this content's being pushed out for free on Instagram, on Facebook, on 500px, on Flickr, on these other platforms. And it opens people's eyes, but it lowers the worth of everything. It does. And then it also, I mean, I, I don't shoot photography for a living, but it when I interact with other people who do and I hear about the the struggles that they have, it seems like everyone thinks it's easy because everyone can do it. It's so accessible now. They're like, oh, whatever. Uh, my nephew will take care of it. We'll pay you a hundred bucks, yeah. you, know, you know? And it's not that way. It's it's an actual creative field. It, it's a career. And there are talented people who do it that should be getting paid for it. Well, there's still, outside of the technicalities of it, they're still having the eye mm. and knowing, oh, yeah, sure. knowing how to compose and... You know, kind of going back to what I was talking about of 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 trying to uh, create an image that is unique and says something, right? So just like anything, you learn a musical song, you're like, I could play a G chord, but like to write a song is a whole other thing. Yeah. Um, and there's people who go their whole lives not writing their own music, you know, um, and there's nothing wrong with that, um, you know, but... I'll say the bands that I made the most money in were playing cover songs. Yeah. You know, every original project I had just died in like a burning ball of flames, <laughs> you know, because nobody's like, I don't know the song, just play, play Freebird, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so with photography, it's, it's very similarly. It's, it's like, yeah, it's easy to take a snapshot, but if I showed you my processing technique and capture technique for an astrophotography image, you'd be like, Oh my God, that hurts my head. Well, you know, cause now, like I was saying, I, you know, with a concert, I would shoot a thousand images or more, I, you know, shoot a music festival and I'd come home with 4,000 images that I have to call and go through and exactly. find, you know, and I'd organize and whatever. Now, when I shoot landscape, I'll, I'll go out and shoot one image over the course of an hour or more hours, you know, um, where that one image has eight frames of information compiled together to create one image. Yeah. Um, so I shoot less and, you know, I try to be more contemplative with what I'm doing and like, I'll get out into a scene and look around, try to see where the light's coming from. I'll see what the water's doing. I'll see what the wind's doing. Um, and I'll try to experience what's happening around me and then sometimes not even take my camera out. Um, other times it's, you know, uh, you know, uh, I'll be out. I love, I really love shooting waves, like telephoto, like abstract wave shots. Yeah. And I'll blow through 4,000 images doing that. Cause I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, cause every frame, 
can be so unique. Sure. Um, but for the most part, like, and, and it's part of, I think, slowing down for me because I'm always so go, 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 especially in events. It's like, you know, it landscape photography has allowed me to just, yeah, like I get in just meditative state and I can try to just slow myself down and think about what I'm doing. Um, and I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to employ more technical um, techniques that you can't do with a phone. You know, or uh, like like focus stacking. Uh, do you know what focus stacking is? I've heard the term, but I don't think I. So I know. essentially, it's it's um, focus stacking is taking uh, images that like. So let me step back a little bit. Um, image, you know, lenses have aperture, right? And which essentially, um, you know, there's a focal plane that's of of focus through a lens and depending on, you know, if I focus at something really far away or something really close to my lens, Mm -hmm. um, the aperture of my lens kind of uh, designates how much of a focal plane is in focus over that course of the distance between you and the background. Sure. So um, I shoot a lot of really wide angle images of, of like flowers and leaves and rocks that are really close to my camera with mountains and trees and sunsets behind it. And if I didn't focus stack, I would focus just on, you know, you'd focus on those trees and stuff, but then that cool flower would just be blurry. Yeah. So what I do is, is I take images that move through the whole scene and then composite them together to create an image that's sharp from front to back. You're just changing your focal point you'll get the the flower up front mm-hmm. or, but i mean are are you super um super narrow at that point are you running like f16 or something um d- i'm in the realm of f8 to f16 depending mm-hmm. the happy every lens has a preferred aperture like every lens has a place where it's its sharpest um and there's a give and take of like you can go with a higher aperture f-stop that'll give you a uh, a, a deeper focal plane, but your lens starts to get soft if you start to stop your lens down too much. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go really, really narrow, you get a lot of light into your camera, but then you have to take tons of pictures in order to get all those things in sharpness. Plus lenses, um, you know, are their worst. They perform their worst when they're wide open or really closed. Mm-hmm. So depending on like um, the lenses, native aperture or it's 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 wide open aperture like say like an f2.8 or a 1.8 or a 1.4 um you know an f2.8 lens functions really it's best in f8 to f11 uh a 1.4 lens functions really well like 5.6 to f8 Mm -hmm. and it kind of just depends on the lens and and how wide it is and the physics of it because um like a really, really wide, wide lens tends to be, um, really soft around the corners mm-hmm. unless it's a really good lens. And as you stop your lens down, those corners get better. So like when I'm shooting stars, I, I try not to shoot wide open because the co- stars in the corners will get weird uh, and they call it coma and they okay. look like weird like shapes. But if you just even stop down to like 3.2 or in that round three, five, like they get sharper. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's kind of fine in the balance. Now, if I show up to a scene and it's windy and all the shit's moving, you can't really focus stack that yeah. because it, 
every frame, the flower would be here and yeah, here, here, here. Yeah. and uh, the process of stacking that in like Photoshop just is just not worth the time. So what I'll do is, is like, I'll choose a even smaller aperture and then usually boost my ISO so I can um, change my shutter speed. Cause that's a whole other thing is, you know, when you, you shut your aperture, you get less light. And then your other options to get more light back into your camera are either a longer shutter speed. You mm-hmm. know, you open up the shutter, you let more light in, or you boost your ISO, mm-hmm. which creates noise. Yes. And um, when you're shooting, uh, you know, if you're trying to get go to print, um, it doesn't really matter for online. You can you can pretty much put dog shit <laughs> online. Nobody does Nobody that. knows because it's looking on a phone. But like if I want to print it at a 30 inch by 40 inch print, yeah. um, like that noise shows up. So you're kind of balancing... Your, your gain, you know, your ISO to your... It's the triangle. It's the triangle. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, if I, if it's really windy, I need to, I need my shutter speed to be higher because that I want to at least freeze that flower. Sure. But now if my shutter speed's higher, it's a really dark image. You know, I try to open my lens back up. Now I'd have to take more images and because that thing's moving you know, there'd be artifacts or like in one frame, it's here, another frame, it's here, another frame, it's here. I have to go in and figure out how to blend or dodge or uh, clone out the extra stuff. So what you do then is you boost your ISO so you can still keep a, a deeper or a, um, a smaller aperture. So your focal plane, so like maybe that flower could be kept, you know, that flower and bush could be shot in one frame. Yeah. And then the mid part of your frame, could be shot in one and I, and maybe I'll only do three images mm-hmm. or something and then um, blend them and yeah. then blend them. And yeah. what a lot of times what I'll do with that is I'll just, I'll shoot my scene with a low ISO and then boost my gain up, get the flower shot and then bl- like blend that together. And with some creative noise reduction, kind of make them look like smoother and blended into each other. Yeah. So there's a, there's a lot going on yeah. that you are processing and anticipating and uh, making adjustments on your camera to capture that. The the question is when, I mean, that will always be an art form in my opinion. Mm-hmm. When does that, all those technicalities and all of that talent get reduced to an app on our phone? You know what I mean? Like how, how much longer before all of those things can be done? Um, you know, you could, I don't know. I mean, um, it's getting there. Like I know with like the, the, the newest iPhones, uh, what they're doing now is they're taking the camera sensor and attaching it directly to a processor. Mm-hmm. And then um, without even talking about sensor size, because that's a whole other thing, like a, a full frame camera is the size of a phone or like the sensor itself is this big. Yeah. You know, um, you can't fit that on an iPhone. Yeah. But with an iPhone, you can... Um, there's other ways to like reduce noise by if you you can average photos. If you take a whole bunch of photos that create a noise profile and then you can combine them and erase the noise, essentially. Um, so like the new iPhones d- can do that with longer shutter speeds. So then at least then you can start to get better quality photos in the dark because as soon as it's bright out, like it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Because you know? once there's plenty of light for a camera, the size, the sensor size is could be arguably, you know, like uh, nullified, you know, um, but the the cameras are getting there. Um, the ability to, you know, I think you'd still have to composite. Um, 
through an image to do things like um, um, focus stacking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, though it's getting better. I mean, again, the iPhone or, or um, you know, when a sensor is attached to a processor, you can have that processor take a range of photos, align them, and then output an image. And then we're still talking about, uh, you know, we're not talking about raw images versus JPEGs or other, you know, uh, loss, lossy files. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you can shoot raw images with phones, but now like once that's combined, like, is it still going to be a raw image? Uh, raw images are like film essentially with photography. So like, uh, when you shoot raw, that none of the set other than that triangle, the exposure triangle, um, any of the color or any settings aren't baked into that file. Yeah. You can adjust it over exactly. time forever. Exactly. Yeah. And you can shoot raw and DNG raw files with iPhones and, and, and Android phones. Mm-hmm. Um, but to get to a place of like replicating, like what I would do with, you know, a $4,000 camera with a yeah. $2,000 lens, um, be really hard yeah Um, i hope it doesn't happen um because then i don't know what we do um (laughs) but it's you know it's that's why it's really important to print images too and to think about where your images are going um you know if it's only quick snapshots on instagram it probably doesn't matter and you know it doesn't matter and it's kind of depressing it is that i see you know i see more shots of chicks in yoga pants holding fucking crackers and Nalgene bottles <laughs> getting thousands of followers yeah probably shot on an iPhone whereas I'll go and I'll spend hours prepping traveling hiking to go take a shot that people just swipe by yeah so um I feel like as a landscape photographer we're constantly trying to legitimize ourselves you know with that and not like we have you have to play the game you have to have an instagram account you have to have you know some facebook presence at least those two right now are the main sources of distribution for images yeah um, uh but you're still you know you have to legitimize the fact that like your shit might not matter <laughs> to the larger you know scene of people so like who's it's all gets back to who's your client who are you making images for? Um, you know, why you, are you doing what you're doing? And I'm personally in a space with my own work where I'm, I'm, I'm deep in that. Like, why am I doing what I'm doing? You know, why am I making images? Who am I making them for? And what am I doing with them? Um, and, you know, my goal is large format printing. You know, I, 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 I like the business I'm trying to shift back into or shift into or make a priority in my business sphere of work that I do, um, is to teach and to sell prints. And, um, both of those things still might, you know, might be not really feasible in today's world now, you know, uh, six months ago, a year ago, it was like, I can do that. You know, that people are making good money doing that. I know guys who have 200,000 YouTube followers and who are making 10 grand a month, you know, uh, you know, who are teaching and selling workshops and sort of selling tutorials mm-hmm. still through this pandemic who are doing really well for themselves, but they built that up then, you know, and it's, it's, I love, I love bending their ear about it. Cause I'm just like, what would you do if you had to start over, you know, and be like, I wouldn't start, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, like, a lot of that stuff is, is being in the right place at the right time or just, 
you you get lucky. I, I mean, not to to take anything away from whoever you're talking yeah. about. Um, a lot of it is circumstantial. You cannot predict what is going to blow up or what people are going to enjoy or what's going to go viral. You, I think you just have to keep doing it and believe in it. And then well, and something can happen. Exactly. And I mean, it goes back to like trying to share yourself, like try to connect with people and to be true to yourself and try to have your own own thing going on is really important. Um, but there's, you know, there's some people that, you know, broke the ice that you're never going to do it again. You know, there's only going to be one Michael Jordan. There's only going to be one insert, whatever, one Ansel Adams, one Jimmy yeah. Page, one, you know, whatever. Um, but we, we all follow in their footsteps to try to create our own next one. And they had their own Jimmy Page, their own, whatever, Ansel sure. Adams. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting because like, especially Instagram, Instagram changed like four or five years ago, like their whole algorithm. And like prior to that change things, it was much easier to get followers. And then once they monetized advertising and how to reach people, it changed how you can get access to people. YouTube's the same way. You know, it's all, it's all like you have to tag it right. You have to have the right X, Y, and Z. And the more followers you have, the more reach you have, the, you know, it's it's like exponential. Well, yeah, that's, a di- I mean, I don't know how Instagram's algorithm works, but that's the thing about YouTube. I mean, it, it continues to send you down some sort of echo chamber because mm-hmm. it takes what you've clicked and what you've liked and what you're looking at. And it just, it, it filters out all the things that you could be exposed to and just put you down this narrow little path. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the, uh, the negative aspect of Facebook too, right? Yep. In, in terms of, uh, what news articles get sent your direction, news, articles. news articles. Yeah. yeah. Uh, totally. And it's, it's, it's a real shame because I know people who spent, lots of money and time growing their Facebook following to have it nerfed and completely just like squashed because of now it's like you have to pay to play. You know, you have to yeah. pay money to have your stuff put in front of people that like are your friends, <laughs> you <laughs> <Yeah>. know? <laughs> um, and yeah, it's like, you know, you could have a thousand friends or five friends and it's still just the, the machine is still algorithm, algorithm monster, you know? And, with with Instagram, it's it's um, you know it used to be all um, it used to be time based. You know, you put you hit a post and it just went down the line, yeah. and you can scroll on to and see all your friends' stuff. And like now, yeah, it's all about the hashtag you're using, how many people liked it as fast as possible. Like you make a post, you got to get like I was you know listening to one podcast and and they were talking about it like like essentially like if i post an image then i have to spend about 15 20 minutes going on other people's accounts and liking their images and then going on their stories and like going like yeah that's ridiculous and then that creates like okay if i get i noticed if i get say 500 likes on an image then it might make it to explore and then then it'll grow a little bit more and then if and then if it gets a thousand then it will you know and then i could also throw money at it and then it will like you know yeah. and then you know, at the end of the day, it's all for a fucking like. It's all yeah. for like, good for you. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not. I'm, 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 I'm over it. You know, it's, it's a, it's a weird way to exist. You're. That's. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't use social media much, and it's because I don't like that feedback loop where you're. It feels like you're doing something to get somebody 
to say they approve of it or mm-hmm. something. And then you feel obligated to go approve of their stuff. And it's... Yeah, fuck that. I'm, it's I, you know, so weird, man. I am, I am sick and tired of people just saying, sick shot, bro. You know, sick tones. The There's this, my favorite Instagram account is called Sick Tones, bro. <laughs> and this guy started this account that makes fun of the whole photography world of people who are just like... Like, yeah, that, that just like sick tones, bro, or like fire emoji or like, like this constant loop of just like making everybody feel good about themselves. And I'm sick of it. I want to be told I suck. I want to be, <laughs> I want to be told, I want some real fucking, const- con, you know, constructive cr- criticism. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I've been trying to shop my website around to some people and I'm like, I need you to get some feedback. And everybody's like, it's great. I'm like, I mean, okay, I'll step back. It's probably pretty cool. But like, I need somebody to be critical. I need yeah. somebody to be like, you spelt that thing wrong. Oh, I don't like that fucking color, you know, or this is annoying. Like, yeah, because that's how we get better. No, and, I hear you. And, you know, it comes from sports, I think, and other things in my life where, you know, we need we need to have somebody telling us how it really is. And we can't be constantly catering to how good everything is because Mm-mm. it's not. Yeah. And it, it's interesting you know, you get on these social media, like you get on Facebook or Instagram and like, I have had to be just like, dude, this image, like your, your blend sucks. This looks horrible. And there's like thousands of likes on it. And then I get ostracized because I was just like, <laughs> cause you were honest. Cause I was honest and that's not a place to be right now, you know? Um, and of course there's so many things that involve uh, like everything about our society that plays into that, you know, and that like, I don't believe in just hating on people for the hate on people, Yeah, but we need to be honest with each other. And social media is not the place to do that. Or rather like, I wish it was, and I will continue to try to be that person. No, dude, that's how you get canceled. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, it's a big difference of telling somebody that their image sucks versus like raping somebody, Yeah, you know, <laughs> or like being, um, being racist, you know yeah. what I mean? So, but yeah, people get all butthurt about just, you know, it, like everybody's a winner and like, that's not, that's not true. Everybody gets a trophy. Everybody gets fucked that, you know, um, I just can't do it anymore. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, my goal is to make that part of me to be honest with people. And I hope that like, you know, the voice that I've put out there in the photography world and my own art and whatever is going to be just real, as real as possible. And I hope that people can connect with that. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you don't, then I've given up caring already about it. You know, Um, it's kind of goes back to music. You got to get to a place where you got to write your own music and be okay with that and not care what people think about it for a minute at least you know but you have to be able to enjoy it and you have to be able to appreciate it because you wrote it but yeah you're you're always going to be your uh your biggest critic mm-hmm. your your own worst enemy right you're and it makes it really weird if you're the only one being a critic yeah if well, nobody else is everybody else you're great and you're like but i'm not really i think my image sucks this i mean like i've posted things where it was garbage but it was like of a certain thing at a certain time at the right, whatever algorithmic thing. And it was yeah. like, and it was, I just, I just, you know, shake my head, man, facepalm, you know? Yeah. And, and like I said, like I go on and I see accounts that are just blowing up of the same monotonous crap. Um, that just, just makes me shake my head. Well, there's also like a tribal mentality where mm-hmm. if, if you see somebody put something out and maybe you think it's great, but there's only a couple likes on it, then you're less likely to join in and say it's awesome. But if somebody puts out 
mediocre stuff and there's a million likes, you're like, oh, well, everybody else thinks it's really great. So maybe it is great. And I just don't understand it. I think there's a lot of that type of thing that happens with like the general population. Yeah. I mean, I, I look at that as also a product of social media because we are, even though we're more connected than ever, we're more disconnected than ever. Mm -hmm. So people want their little echo chamber groups and everybody wants to be part of the team, but it's not real. You know, it's, it's, it's like, yeah, you're, if you're, if you really believe it's good and you like it and that's cool. But like, if you're just jumping on board and you're not doing something with purpose, you're not like contemplating what you're doing or why you're doing it, then it's, it's a waste of breath, a waste of a like, waste of a swipe, waste Mm -hmm. of whatever, you know? And I mean, this is coming from being involved. I mean, I've been on Facebook. I think I, my college was the second college to have Facebook. Really? Yeah. So like Oh four Oh five, something like that. Yep. Um, and back then it was just the alternative to MySpace to get laid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it was, that's that everything was, is. Yeah, exactly. And then it was all downhill once our parents could join. And then it was just what it's turned into now is just mind blowing. And I still get like memories 15 years ago. What the fuck? You know, like, <laughs> I mean, I, I barely lived. I mean, I've been in Oregon now since 2007. So, you know, 13 years or whatever. But like to be on a platform that long is just kind of crazy, you know? And, and I still, I mean, I, even back in the day I was, you know, I was in AOL chat rooms. I was on ICQ meeting meetings and, or messenger. I don't know if you remember ICQ or whatever. It was, yeah, it was like, um, it was like a chat, chat platform um where there was just a bunch of chat rooms and that's where i used to download illegal games and porn and you know all sorts of shit you know Mm -hmm. back in the day and um you know i just i think about the progress of where it's been and i've been more or less in you know in this ah you know realm and to see now the black mirror episode that we're living through of social media is just crazy yeah you've seen the one with the bryce dallas howard right where uh Every human interaction gets some sort of rating. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. That and then episode, it gets locked. And yeah. then everybody's like a fuzzy whatever. Yeah. Well, that was a different one. That was yeah. Different one. Okay. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know they no. start to blend into each other. Oh, yeah. all of those are so... Well, and the most... They're so possible. I know. Well, the most recent one was the Balderdash. Yeah. So it was... That like, one was cool. Choose your own adventure. Yeah, We're literally cool. living the a second episode of Balderdash yeah. right now. Like, yeah. this is like 2020 is a fucking episode of Black Mirror. Yeah. And like... You know, uh, and like a sequel to Idiocracy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, and, you know, it's it's hard to have faith in humanity right now in some ways, you know. I mean, it's, I, I want to, but, you it, know. It doesn't seem like anyone's in charge. No, It's like, is. who's the fucking grown up? Nobody, Who no, there's is, no grown ups in the room at no, all. No, there's not. It's like, I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, it's like you're in high school and your parents go on vacation for the weekend and you're like, fucking, let's have a party. Mm-hmm. And everybody shows up, people doing heroin, drinking, jumping off the fucking roof. Like everything is going crazy and the parents are gone. Who's in control? No one knows. No one knows what's going to happen. Yeah, no, totally. Or you're like, let's have a little couple friends over. Yeah. You know, and I've had some house parties like that. Like <laughs> there was one, I used to live on 26th and, and Clinton and it was a birthday and I just moved into this house of guys 
and at the time I was gigging and playing music all the time and doing doing lots of stuff I shouldn't have been doing. Um, opening my mind, man. Mm-hmm. And I remember like we start we like started get, playing music at like noon, and then like we started you know opening our mind, and then by like eight p.m. there was like four hundred people at this house party. <laughs> Busting out onto 26th Avenue, like, and I remember just walking outside, like, what the fuck just happened, you know? Yeah. And, and we didn't get in trouble, like, nobody, like, I didn't even get a, like a letter from a neighbor or anything. And, um, yeah, it was that's how it feels right now. And like, yeah, like, mom and dad never come home, no, you know, or it's like the frat boys show up and start wrecking shit, yeah, and, like, yeah, yeah, and you can't stop them, uh-huh. you know? Um, and that's that's kind of, yeah, that's where we're at, right? That's now. where we're at, 2020, man. What a <sighs> what a fuck year this year. Yeah. It's the wrong timeline, you, you know. Uh, Back to the Future. It's it's the Biff Tannen timeline. I know. It's like we why did fucked. you? Yeah, why did you have to bet on that team? You know, when he went <laughs> back in time. You, you, oh, yeah, Will McFly. Yeah. Um, Butthead. Yeah. This is a. It's a crazy time. You know. Um, it's bringing a lot. I, you know. I'm. It's hard not to be nihilistic about it all. Mm-hmm. Like, fuck it. You know, like we deserve it. Um, but that's kind of where I'm at at this point. Like we're, we're the masters or lack thereof of our own universe. And that like, we kind of deserve what we get out of this. And I, I hope to survive. I hope you and your family get to survive. Mm -hmm. I hope, you know, whatever. I hope we all, this turns out better than worse, you know, but we're not making smart decisions, you know, and, and, and it's, it's really, it's really kind of heartbreaking. Well, and we, we we may truly be witnessing the demise of America. Mm-hmm. America's been on top for 200 years, whatever. Yep. This could be the thing that takes us down. And, and who knows? The rest of the world might just be like, man, fuck you guys. Yeah. I'm ready. Yep. I... I also want to also somewhat think that maybe I'm wrong and you're wrong and that we're doing it the right way. Maybe like there's this part of hope in me it's that's possible. like maybe maybe what we're doing is the only way to go about it of just saying, Fuck it. you know, whatever. Two hundred thousand people die. That's what we got to do. And maybe these other and this is just me just trying to I've gone through all the mental fucks over the last six months of where we're going, what we're happening. And, and every, like, like I was saying to you when I first got here, I, you know, I wake up every day and have this like coming to Jesus about, you know, what's going to happen or not going to happen and, and where my career is going to be and where our country is going to be. And, um, and, you know, like, yeah, I just try to justify it sometimes. Like even when Trump got elected, I was like, well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong and this will be the best thing to happen to us. And I wasn't wrong. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, I mean, it's all perspective, whatever. But like, it's been nothing but shitty headlines and just disgusting things that have occurred over the last four years. And like, Well, yeah, you were talking about that earlier before we started about how you forget. I mean, every day there's something new and you're like, that is what he said. That yeah. is what happened. This is what's going on. You forget a week later because something new happened. It's, and yeah, you look back goal. a year ago and you're like, what? I remember that. That was a huge deal. And this now is, nobody cares. This is, um, I mean, I'll, you know, I'll put on my, my intrinsic conspiracy, not, not even conspiracy anymore, but the goal of the powers that be is to sow discord with noise. Mm-hmm. And, the, and you can't get, you can't stay pissed off at something if there's more noise to be pissed off about. Yeah. And this What's really sad is that like, you know, not sad and I mean, it's a lot of emotions, but 
like social media, getting back to that, has been a platform that we've never had in this country for politics, for news, for anything. And it has been essentially weaponized to like to to just create noise, constant streams of information where like we can't even even if like the most astute people can't keep it's it, it's impossible to keep um, up with it all. Yeah. You know, and you can shut yourself off. I mean, I recently basically cut myself off from Facebook because of family issues, because of I knew, you know, I, I basically a week to, um, those two females who were hit by a car in Seattle. Mm-hmm. I knew them. Um, and wow. I just I, I got online one morning and I just I was scrolling doing my daily doom scroll. And I saw that and it just hit me. And then I saw another article from a family member from some some crazy fucking right wing just piece of not any real information. It was a title of an article claiming colleges fucking brainwash people to be liberals. And, and the, the whole article was just like ranting words of no real meaning. Mm-hmm. And I just those two things combined. I was like, I need to get off of Facebook. This is like my mental stability. Can't do this anymore. And. I mean, immediately, as soon as I did that, got off my phone, my my mental health went up immediately. But yeah. then you're missing out on stuff. Then there's a bunch of other things that I'm involved with on there that I'm not seeing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so I go on my computer and I can get on and scroll through and I, I kind of have a little like, you know, I'll get up in the morning and do a little like, you know, and, and just try to get through the garbage and I'll do a little bit before I go to bed or later on just on the computer and be like, check in. Um, I've been been kind of into watching the live streams of the, the protests downtown just mm-hmm. to see what's really happening. Um, and yeah, I mean, like, but social media has been weaponized. Like it's been turned into this ability just to like not allow people to keep their finger on a on a dot, you know, and yeah. there's no way around it. It's like, you know, if you continuously debunk or try to like, OK, here's a fact, but here's 20 fake things. Now nobody has any trust in anything. Yeah, it's it's uh it's frustrating to be able to um acquire the term fake news because it's so uh polarizing and p- political. Mm-hmm. Uh but it's so true. Mm-hmm. But it's but true. But the other way around. It's true everywhere. Yeah. I, I every time like I my news feed is just from the news on Reddit. And it has Washington Post, New York Times, Fox News, Al Jazeera. It's got everything on it. And so I'll go through and I'll read the headline. And the next thing I do is look to see where it's coming from. And there's always a slant. That's a di- that's the disappointing thing. There's not many unbiased news organizations. Everybody has some some slant that they're trying to push one way or the other. And so you always, you have to check to see who's fucking putting it out to understand what way it's trying to bias your opinion. Well, like I was bringing up that, you know, family member with the conservative weird post. It was like conservative treehouse.co, you know, and you, you're and, like, yeah. yeah. And then you go and you go to the about page and it's like, and it's like this weird, it's, even the buzzwords in the in the description of what the website's for is super super biased yeah. and it's like and it's you know and i and it's and it's for folks who don't really have the ability to filter it yeah you know who are running on emotions and like i mean i just i am an empathetic person i try to think about why people think and do what they do i, I just want to understand 
you know, and I try to understand what it might feel like to be homeless on the corner to being um, a red hat wearing conservative, you know, kook. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to understand why, especially people that I like care about and love, like, and you know, like our our family members just to understand why they might go that way with it. And I, you know, we're all, we're all susceptible to it, but I, I'm, I mean, I dare I say, like, I'm I'm really critical about what I read and what I believe and that, like, I've been skeptical and conspiracy based for so long that I don't trust most of it. Mm-hmm. And and I read I like to read my sources of information. I don't watch TV. I don't watch like the mass media you yeah, know, because here. that's even more, you know, emotionally driven and just slammed down your throat. And you don't have an opportunity necessarily to to look up or study or find real facts because yeah. you have some some asshole pundit, you know, just just you know yelling shit at you on TV twenty four hours a day. Yeah. Um. But yeah, you're right. There are. I, I see. I, there are there are slants. I feel like sometimes there needs to be a slant. You know. Um. I I'm. I'm at a point where I'm not going to kid myself that like there's not, but the slant from the right is scary. I mean, they say the same thing about the left, but like the slant coming from that side is really, really um, non-empathetic, pretty violent, pretty, pretty aggressive, Mm -hmm. very aggressive. You know, you listen to Fox news and you can hear just the tone, not even the words, just the tone of how they're like, they're coming to get you, they're coming to get your guns, you're losing your things, blah, 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 blah. And then you turn on CNN and it's slanted, but it's like, here's a group of, you know, people of color who have been hurt or here's a, you know, like they're approaching, uh, they're, you know, just whatever. I mean, there's a slant, but I, I feel like there sometimes needs to be like, you have to like somehow gear this thing back to the center. And these slants sometimes need to. That's that's to. that's what we need. Yeah, and is to combine. You I, know? I feel like there's a lot of people who wish it would be more centralized, and we could we could unify in the way that everybody's always talking about. But it just feels like it's always one side or the other. There's yep. no in between. You're you, everybody's. You got one of two teams to join, and then you got to fucking hate the other side. Yeah, you know, if everybody was centered, though, it'd be boring. You know, there'd be no ratings. There would be no Fox News. There would be no whatever, you know, it it, it would be it'd be really boring for people. And people (laughs) want to get fucking heated about something. Yeah. You know, and polarized about something. And, you know, it's it's just interesting because I I I am is just as susceptible to it as everybody else. Mm -hmm. I I really, really, truly try to like. I, I read the Fox News and watch and look at those sources of information yeah. with, with as much of an open mind as possible. I mean, I try, you know, conservative family members wouldn't believe it on me, but like, I mean, Fox News is is actually I read more of that than I do CNN you because should. I'm trying to understand. You should, you know, um, and and I'm disgusted by it. I like I I read it and I cringe. I'm like, yeah. this is just. You know, and and of course, like through this whole time, for every you know liberal post about a protester being shot or hurt, there's a Fox News post about a police officer who was shot or hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, and the, and it's just oh, you know, um, it's it's just really hard. And I think that we, 
you know, we as a country should come together, but I've also, you know, the, here's the nihilism coming back. It's like, we're fucked. You know, it's like the folks who are, who are hardcore, right. Aren't coming back, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, and there's some folks who are hardcore left who might not be coming back, but I look at like the basis of that left and it's still like better humanism. It's better for people most of the time, you know? I mean, it's it's like the things that they're fighting for are to better people, to give back to people, to spend more money on people, not kill people, you know, not to, you know, it's, 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 I still, like, I, I'm not a Democrat and I haven't been, um, registered as one for a long time. I've voted mainly left because I believe in social programs and I believe in taking care of people. And I'd rather my money be spent on, you know, welfare and social programs than, than bombs. Sure. Um, you know, and I also don't feel like those things need to be also right or left conversations like guns. You know, it's like, why do gun rights have to mean you're conservative or liberal? You know, that's, that's the worst part is that you cannot, you cannot express support or deride some perspective without somebody labeling you a certain thing. Yeah. And And I fight that to the death. I'm like, every time somebody tries to call me a libtard, I'm like, fuck you. You don't know how I voted. You don't know anything about me and you don't know how educated or non-educated I am, you know? And I had, I got into this, what was it? It was a, yeah, good buddy of mine. Uh, he had made a Facebook post that was, you know, he has a big following and it started this whole thread. And then somebody was like, it's anarchy in Portland. And I was like, hey, I live here. It's not as bad as you think. And mm-hmm. these two guys started attacking me. I come to find out they both don't live in the United States. Um, and then they started like showing all these crazy videos from like, like this one platform called BitChute which was like, I was like, hold on a second. So I get on this website and it's like, it's like YouTube, but it's all right wing conservative, like Mm -hmm. crazy videos. Like you just go on the popular trending page of this, of this platform. And it's like, dude, it's fucking cuckoo. Yeah. Like, and then, so like, of course, and I'm like, you know, Hey, look, I'm telling you, it's like, yeah, it's, it is violent. It's violent from both sides. There's, you know, there's there's pissed off fucking people. And, you know, um, you can't deny that, but like at the same time, you know, you don't know what it's like down here or why these people are doing this. I'm like, and have you ever protested in your life before? You mm-hmm. know? And these guys are like, well, George Soros and this and that. And I was like, uh Oh, here comes the fucking Soros. Whatever. Tag words. Yeah. Ex- and then it was just, it went downhill and then they were like attacking me. And I got to a point where I was like, you don't know anything about me. And you know, cause he was, this is one of those people that call me sheep. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is the guy I was like, dude, I was, I was thinking the, 9-11 was a hoax before you were born, bro. You yeah, know, like, yeah. this is like, don't tell me that I'm like a sheep because I don't trust this government either, but I do believe in government programs and social welfare. And like, you know, I mean, there's, I have personally benefited from those things, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm also a white male that has personally benefited from being privileged, Yeah, you know, and I try to check that <clears throat> as much as I can. Mm-hmm. And it took me moving out of a, 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 you know, a rural part of New York to live into an inner city to, you know, to traveling the country and North America into other inner cities to see that as a white male, I got it pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it might not be as good as some folks and I might not get government cheese like some folks, but 
I can drive my car and not worry about getting shot if I get pulled over. Yeah. You know, um, I've been, a, you know, when I was in college, I got arrested and had to go to court and I showed up with a lawyer and a suit and tie and I was sitting next to people in orange jumpsuits and I got off with a slap on my wrist where the yeah. guy next to me who had just the same record, but a different skin color went to jail for fucking five years. You know, these are real fucking things yeah. that, that folks who are claiming Soros is paying them to go down and fucking protest will never, never understand. Well, that's why you can't trust most of what happens on those platforms, because have you heard about the uh, I forget what the group is called, but um, it was basically a warehouse full of dudes with computers in Russia that were strategically creating Facebook groups Mm-hmm. to uh, to foster discontent between very polarized groups. So they would create a, a super liberal group and and post a bunch of stuff that would uh, inflame that base. Then they created a super right-wing group and and posted things that would inflame that base. And then they actually had a physical event in real life where those two groups were across the street from each other. <laughs> this happened and like uh, and they're over there in Russia like <laughs> yeah no there there yeah. are countries doing this creating these these fake groups just to fire people up and I would argue that's probably people not only just in Russia but people in our own here, country here for sure that's too. what I'm saying it's yeah. like these tools are available to all sorts of groups who want to create you know discord you yeah know? Yeah, I mean, well, there was also remember it was I was I was you know, it was only a couple of years ago that this this story was coming out that it was like, <gasps> but like they were able to with AI create from news stories news broadcasts of of like fake you know of like of a broadcaster telling these storylines that were all false, and it was done through a machine. Do you know that Microsoft fired all of their journalists and all their news is cold by AI now? <laughs> That's I do you use Bing too, you know? <laughs> it's <laughs> you know? insane. You know, yeah, exactly. So it's now insane. a couple years later you forget because like I I I kinda had to remind myself when I went to that bit shoot, because like all those all those trending videos looked just like that. And one of the guy the guy had sent me a video because I was like, here, watch these live streams. There was plenty of nonviolent protesting going on, and there's some violence. Of course there is. People are fucking pissed. You know, I'm not one to say that the protests aren't violent, but the police are violent and the protesters are violent. And the best way you can get like a unbiased view is there are multiple people who are going down, who've been down there for 50 plus nights streaming the whole night. Mm-hmm. This one guy, um, he's a, he's a veteran called, uh, and his like page is called veteran for peace. And he literally is down there with a camera on a 20 foot pole. <laughs> just going like this and you can see like from the initial protest starting um you know down to the cops fucking running people down the street and shooting tear gas at everybody yeah and that's i think the best way to gauge your own perspective of what's going on down there so this guy then you know he posted a video of like he was like look the cops are getting laser shot in their eyes and i went and i went to the video and it was like it was um it was a 2D picture of a guy in a black hood, you know, no face, with like this like weird mechanical like um uh like robot voice just talking shit over Twitter feeds. <laughs> 
And he was like, trying, did you watch the video? Did you watch the video? And I was yeah. like, dude, that's some Emmy winning fucking piece of <laughs> piece of um, media, yeah. you know, like, wow. Okay, cool. You know, and the guy didn't get it. And I just, I, I, I just, I had to put my line in the you know sand and go, cool. I'm, I'm done here. I can't, I can't argue with stupid man. Yeah. And, and I, it breaks my heart because it's just, I again try to pull back to being as empathetic as I can and understand why anybody would allow themselves to be that brainwashed or be that wrapped into it. And it's not even their fault. Like, I feel like we as a society um, really have no control anymore on it. Like it, unless you shut yourself off from all of it, like we're all susceptible and our older generation are uniquely unprepared for it. Oh yeah. Um, and, and it's like, at least I, I mean, you know, everybody out there, raise your hand if you've ever posted a, a, an article without reading it. Yeah. You know, I have, I'm sure you have, you were yeah. like, post, you know, and, yeah. and then you went back and read it and it was like wrong or it was from like yeah. four years ago. And then you're like, oh, I'm an idiot, you know? <laughs> um, so we're all susceptible to it, but like, like, man, my folks and some of the other older folks, you know, generations like who got into Facebook and on the internet later than some people don't have the tools to research these things in ways that um, can allow them to like not get caught up in it. Yeah. And, and even people with those tools get like, forget like Facebook is not the internet. Facebook is a free platform that is an advertising platform that is ran by an algorithm. Yeah. It is not the news. It is not the internet. And I remember I was in a, I was actually part of like a startup company. Um, we were doing like live streaming years ago, 2010. And that was like the big talk we were having then 10 years ago of like Facebook was becoming the internet. Then it was still like, there was a shift where you used to go on the internet and then go to Facebook. Yeah. Now everybody's on Facebook and then they occasionally go to the internet to read titles of articles. Well, it was, <laughs> it was, uh, it was included in the OS of Windows phone. Oh, really? Uh, some, some OS. It was like, it was, you couldn't delete it. That's it was just crazy. part of it. Yeah, yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah man. I mean, and, and like, take a second, everybody out there, you know, take a second and just consider that, that like Facebook is not the internet. YouTube's not the internet, you know? I mean, it's closer to it, but it's still curated and runs on an algorithm by, um, you know, that was designed by humans. To try to make money. To try to make money. Yeah. And, and, you know, these are the same, you know, I know, I know there are the other folks who are like going to the deep web and like trying to find these other oh what's it what i find what's uh what's the new twitter platform for conservatives isn't it parlay parlay mm, i haven't heard of it you haven't heard about this Mm-mm. oh so now all the conservatives because of twitter they feel twitter is biased towards them it's mm-hmm. really because they're fucking shitty humans but um <laughs> let's not talk about that um they, they started a twitter equivalent for conservatives called parlay which okay. is french and everybody calls it parlor. And I'm like, you guys are idiots. Cause you understand you're cool. You're calling your cool conservative, like American thing after a French term. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> America, you know, it's like, and they don't even get that, you yeah. know? And then great. So now your echo chamber has now gotten even more smaller, you know? And I, and it's 
creates even more like discord, you know, and it's nobody's questioning any of it. And they feel everybody feels like because they have an emotional response to something, they know what they're talking about. Yeah. And that's I mean, I've been a child of science. I mean, um, I wasn't grown up in a religious house. So I've and I had I had an earth science teacher as a uh, as a as a grandfather and other teachers in my family. And I just I was brought up in this like question everything. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the beauty of science like is to be proven wrong. Like yes. the whole scientific method is you have multiple people go through the same process in order to find errors. Mm-hmm. Whereas like the concept of faith is you just go, okay, I believe it. Yeah. And once you give up that, like you give in, then you can't change somebody's mind. So I've just been on a path of like, pro- really, really prove me wrong. You know, like I want to see, I want to see. Yeah. I want you to tell me I'm wrong. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, man, it was, had it been five or six years ago, but do you remember that Bill Nye, the science guy and the creator of the Christian science church did a live stream on YouTube. Oh, where they were going to argue, argue the existence. Yeah. Yeah. And literally Bill Nye was like, here's my PowerPoint presentation. Mind you probably made by like an intern you know, who's gotten paid nothing was like text and facts and figures. And he's like, argue, you know, here's science and science and science and science. Uh And then dude, man was like, here's a picture of buddy Jesus. Like I got a book. Yeah. And like, he literally piled up a Bible and said, here's my response to you. Here's everything I need to know. And that broadcast didn't convert anybody. No, 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 no. Everyone who came into it, believing what they believed, they, they continued. That's, that's the thing we were talking about this before. Like you cannot, you cannot challenge something that cannot be proven. Exactly. If it's, people want to believe it, they're going to believe it. And, I, you know, I'll pull back to my empathetic perception of, of trying to be empath- empathetic towards people. And I get that faith is important for a lot of people to to lean on and to um, to, to try to have a, a point, a, like a, a focal point in their life to be better humans in theory. You know, I get that. Um, but I... I if I, I've always been a proponent that if you think you know everything, you don't know anything. Yeah. You know, and the moment I think that I'm done learning or that I, I'm 100% correct, I am off the deep end. And I think that way about everybody around me. It's like, if you think you know everything, you're, you don't know at all, you know? Um, and I want to be constantly on this path of, of, of trying to be better and learning and like never being done, you know, and that plays, you know, that probably plays a bit into my faith, you know, or faith or lack thereof or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, I've had over the years enough conversations with people who you try to, you know, you try to have a discourse about those things. But if you try to have discourse with even like a, whether an apple is red to somebody of faith, there always comes a point where like you can't argue past a level. Like you just like if somebody already is willing to give up this belief or have belief into something, then anytime you try to have like a bigger conversation with them, I tend to find that they will almost always get to a place of just being like, well, I just believe it. Well, the, the, the issue resides in the fact that some people 
make their beliefs their identity. Mm -hmm. And if you somehow disassociate them from their belief, they don't know who they are anymore. Mm -hmm. And that is a crazy thing to, I don't know, you, you should not be so resigned to an idea that it defines you. You should be completely willing. I don't, I don't believe in an afterlife right now. I'm not saying I won't in 10 years or 20 years or 40 years. Maybe I will, I will go down, may I'll almost get in a car wreck and. Yeah. Maybe you'll, maybe you'll like die and come back and you meet buddy Jesus, yeah. you know, buddy Christ. And then I will and be, like, I will be a <laughs> proponent hundred percent. I can say right now, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And I'm willing to admit that maybe I do go down that path right now. I'm not on that path. I don't believe that, but maybe, maybe something happens later. That's what life is. You, you just go about day to day. You try to learn new stuff and you adjust the, the human that you are to become something better. Well, and I would say that you probably are still a decent person, right? Like, I try to be. <laughs> you know, like you try, like, why do I need to believe in, in some, some guy up there who's calling all the shots to be good? Yeah. You know, um, and I mean, that that comes from like, I still like a lot of my manners and respect levels come from my grandmother who, you know, like keep your arms off the table and treat people like you want to be treated and, and things that were like, you know, like be, be respectful, you know, X, X, Y, and Z, no matter who you are, you know, and it had nothing to do with faith. Yeah. And I feel like people, you know, use that as a judgment factor. And it's, it's interesting because like where I grew up in New York, um, the two major faiths I was around were Jews and Catholics, mm -hmm. uh, J Jewish and Catholics. And they're some of the more interesting religions because most of the, most of the kids I know who went to Catholic school were like the Hellraisers. Yeah. You know, who, and, and, you know, I saw things went, go down that were like, fuck it. I'll just pray before I die. <laughs> yeah. And then we're going to save myself. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, that doesn't work. <laughs> you know, it doesn't make any sense. And then I moved out here. And funny enough, when I first moved to Oregon, I worked down in um, Kaiser Salem area at the music store. And like 60% uh, of our business was worship group. And that was the most like intertwined I'd been with the like, churches I'd ever, you know, in, in a very, very long time. And I grew a different respect for those folks, you know, because it was, it was, it was a different type of Christianity out here than it was back there, you know, and sure. it was genuinely people that were just lived, you know, lived simpler lives or live lives that were, you know, really more attuned to, to, you know, just being better people yeah. versus just using religion as, as an excuse to get away with shit. Well, you know? a lot of it is regional mm -hmm. Yeah, where you're born and who your parents are dictates what you're going to believe, at least for the first 10, 15 years of your life, mm -hmm. like 99%. Like what region of the country, what country in the world, there are more popular religions in those regions. And you're, you're more likely to just follow that path until you start to question things. If you do. If you do. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, there's so many bits and pieces to that. Like, uh, I knew people who, again, were brought up in very Christian religious houses who were just went, you know, went off to college and just fucking tore it off. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, and, you know, um, and you see that a lot with like Mormon folks or, or I, I mean, I grew up in New York, so there was 
I was I wasn't directly related to them, but like you you know you think about uh, Amish folks, you know mm-hmm. where they're like you have to go out to the real world for a second and see how crazy it is, you know. Um, That's a they, real thing, right? Yeah, they have it, to go out they and literally decide send them out and whether or not they want to stay there or come back. Which is I like I like that. That's that's, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, versus just saying like you know God's going to burn you to death, you know. Yeah. You know, and they probably would probably still burn them to death if they never came back. But like <laughs> yeah. at least. They understand the importance of experiencing that. Yeah. You know, and um, ah, yeah, it's it's a it's a real tough one. I mean, I, you know, I don't have any kids, so I haven't had to have that conversation with a smaller human yet. Mm-hmm. Um, really, you know, and my closest I have are my nephews. And again, it's a science kind of based house, you know, where they're they're you know, they weren't brought up in faith. Um, but, I, you know, I remember again, I mean. Back, but like I was talking about ICQ and like these old days of like AOL chat rooms of just getting into fights back when I was 16 with people about whether God was real, you know, back then. Yeah. Um, and it still always came back to just, I can't, we don't know, you know, we don't know anything. And, and if faith helps you to be a better person, cool, you know, I mean, if that's for sure, you know, I just don't believe in needing that, you know, and it's not an excuse to, to be bad. And not like if people use it that way, but like, don't judge me for expect me to be a shitty person because I don't have yeah. faith in a God. You know? Yeah. Um, I am a big proponent of energy, you know, and I'm more like I've spent too many music festivals and crystals and, you know, whatever, you know, I'm more clean cut nowadays. But like I'm a believer of, you know, the closest I've ever been to faith was Buddhism and this idea of reincarnation mm-hmm. or rather living your life as if. All the decisions you make now are going to change your next life. Yeah. And at least then it gives you wiggle room to not necessarily be perfect um, and, you know, and still like consider the ripple effect of everything you do and affecting other people and other energies. Right. And like if the, you know, I, I would be more apt to be better if I thought that if I was a shitty creature, I would come back as a rock yeah. versus just going to a place up or down forever, mm-hmm. you know? And at least I know that like in this life I'm in now, maybe I made um, mistakes in a past life that I'm just atoning for now. And then it, it just gives more hope to the idea that like we can be better and that that sometimes you can't be better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, the, like, the ultimate goal or the ultimate like underlying tenet of most religions is that you be good, you be kind, you love people. Th- that's that's all there is. It's when it's when you start reading the text too much and and uh, accepting certain passages that were written thousands of years ago as mm-hmm. literal truth, and then doing things to people then based on something that was written a long time ago, that's when you get into trouble. If you just, if you're just good to people and you just love them, everything's better. Yeah. You don't have to fucking follow everything exactly as it was written. Cause we don't even know with the, with the translation, like, especially with like the King James version of the Bible that was written 2000 years ago and it got converted and retranslated five or six times yeah by rich white people yeah <laughs> by, by, <laughs> you know just i'm just saying it's like yeah it's, it's we've it's also like i think you're hitting a good point of difference between faith and religion mm-hmm. like i i get faith religion you know as soon as you put a structure and financial business behind all of it and power structure yeah that's where it goes wrong 
And, you know, remember that there was a time and place on this earth that if you didn't believe in God, you got killed. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And there was a time and place on this earth that if you believed in God, you got killed. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, It's, you know, it's, those are the things that I, as I've grown up, have always reflected on that, like, our past is very important. And I can't deny that, you know, this goes back to our past as a country. You know, um, we fought a civil war to end slavery, you know, like black people, people of color were were owned by people like me, mm-hmm. you know, and like we had to fight a war to end that, you know, that is you know? insane when you phrase it that way. You know, we had a, you know, the <clears throat> consider this, all the people that are complaining about the violence and the protests and the feds and all this stuff. And I'm like. Well, you know, I'm sure the Redcoats were pretty pissed off when we threw all that tea into the Boston Harbor, you know, and it's the equivalent of the feds and, uh, you know, burning a federal building. You know, it's like, yeah, you, you know, why are you doing that? Blah, 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 blah. But there were just, you know, just as many people back then probably saying the same thing that were like, you know, why are you guys starting trouble? You yeah. Know? And, you know, violence, our country was built on violence. Mm-hmm. Don't be naive to the fact of that. Um, and things don't change here unless shit goes down. Things don't change anywhere. I mean, that's yeah. that's how you get situations like the French Revolution. Mm-hmm. People, people they were do- cutting people's heads off in the street. And we had to go and fight a huge war and millions of people died. You yeah. know, it's like, no, people, <laughs> it's like- people don't really get invested in something until they have nothing to lose. Yep. And American citizens have not ever had a point where they had nothing to lose. Things have been really good for a long time. Mm-hmm. Not great for a lot of people, you know, uh, but it's never been so bad that they're willing to risk their life and for some sort of movement. Those people you're talking about are, are probably people of privilege, you know, probably white, mm-hmm. you know, middle class. Um, and, you know, even it still always blows my mind that poor white people still believe the falsities uh, that are out there. But, yeah, of course, they've never had to struggle. So when I hear them go, why are you guys protesting, you know, or, or why, you know, blah, 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 blah. It's like, you have no idea what it's like to be a person of color, mm-hmm. you know, like your great grandparents weren't owned by somebody. Yeah. You know, I come up from like, my bloodline is like Viking. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I consider like, I have like ancestry that was raping and pillaging for fucking ever. Yeah. And I can't not be like, well, you know, I have a little guilt about that. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, my perspective is that I've come to try, like, I feel like the only people that I can assert my opinion to are white males. Mm-hmm. Like, don't fight me if you're a white male, because I will lay into you. But if you're a woman or a person of color or LGBT community, I have no idea what life has been for like for yeah. you. So I'm not going to judge you. I'm not, I, I can't judge you. And I support everything I can to help you get, have the same sort of freedoms and abilities that I have. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of groups you cannot associate or not associate. You cannot relate to just because you can't. And yep. you, you want to give your support and you want to say, everybody's just trying to make everything better, but you cannot get it because you we're in our mid thirties. We've lived a life that we've lived and had all these different things happen based on who we are. None of that was ever our choice. We just are who we are, but yeah, you can't. And that's a disappointing thing is that I, I think the majority of people just want everything to be cool. 
Yes, yeah. just want it to be cool. Like, but it's not going to be cool until like all lives matter, or excuse me, like black lives. You know, the whole like th- black lives can't matter unless, or all lives can't matter unless black lives matter, right? So it's that's like, that's the thing, though. It's like, dude, it's twenty twenty. We're still fucking dealing with racism. Yeah, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, why we have so many other things to take care of? Why the fuck are we still doing dealing with that? Well, the, like I was explaining to you, I had the opportunity to talk to my nephew, who's ten, eleven. Sorry, Wyatt, um, if he watches this. Um, and just start to describe, like, express to him why the protests are going down. Mm-hmm. And that, like, you know, like, our history, like, like the fact that p- people, because of the color of their skin, are still being, you know, um, still being attacked or still being stereotyped in 2020 is just mind-blowing. And for the new generation and these Zoomers who are more diverse than any generation ever Mm -hmm. they are being taught to be more open and to be more accepting to a lot of people and their culture in general is a more mishmash and the reality is in 20 30 years caucasians will be the minority Mm -hmm. that scares the shit out of our parents Mm -hmm. at least my parents who are fucking you know super conservative and, and white and they see it as brainwashing and they see it as like, you know, it's it's the end of days when white people aren't. It's evolution. The, I know. That's what happens I when know. humans breed with humans. We, we will become what we become. Well, and you have a conversation with somebody that young about slavery. Like they're going to have to come to Jesus to remember that like my Caucasian white nephew. Remember, just you need to know that, you know, Caucasians owned humans of different skin colors. You know, and it wasn't white people that they owned it. It's like they owned mm-hmm. black people. Well, yeah. You know? And I mean, slavery has been a thing forever and it's never been OK, but it's always been it was accepted forever. Mm. Some would argue that it's still slavery. Uh, I mean, you know what I mean? Like there's in some ways keeping people of color in lower income brackets and keeping them incarcerated mm-hmm. and, and and poor is just the new age version of slavery. Mm-hmm. And that might be reaching, but, you know. It's still pretty horrible, you know, and I just, you know, um, I've, I've just personally benefited from being a white male. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not going to sit here and play otherwise. And if you if you're if you're a white male um, who feels otherwise, you're lying to yourself. Just just take a moment and try to listen to somebody, somebody's experiences from, the, you know, or or even more so read some books, look into some real things about race and what it's like to be a different race. Mm-hmm. Before you think you know what you're talking about. Yeah. You know, and and then that's where I, you know, um, I look at what's happening right now. And like, of course, it's violent. And of course, it's kind of shitty that it's going down during a pandemic. You know, like I I personally I, I have protested before and I would love to protest, but I'm scared shitless of going down in groups of thousands of people right now. Yeah. You know, um, I would like to do what I can to help other people who are struggling. And if I can like come away at some point in my life, like being that way, that's, that's, you know, just trying to give back. And it's just, it's, it's a really, really shitty position, but I'm not going to judge people for standing up for what they stand up for, especially in our country. You know, it's so hypocritical to be like, you know, judging people for, for protesting in a country that was built on violence and protest, Yeah, you know, just because they don't, they're not protesting what you believe in. Exactly. Yeah. And it's and it is violent. I mean, you can't deny that. But like we talked about, I mean, violence has created all the change in our world. 
always, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, every revolution wasn't like, stop it. <laughs> You know, every revolution was death and murder and destruction and and pretty horrible. Mm -hmm. Lots of people died in the Civil War, the Revolutionary War, the French French Revolution, you know. um, And you remember, too, that just even like the the Arab Spring that happened, you know, um, and some of these other things that went the opposite directions with the Civil Wars. You Mm -hmm. know, some of the places like Croatia and, and Bosnia and like, you know, they were really peaceful beautiful places before civil war happened yeah you know and before you know dictators came in and took over and started you know pushing very conservative views onto their people and then you know and it created years and years and years of war yeah so you know i'm i'm like hats off that it hasn't gotten more violent you know i mean some people it's like here in here in oregon it's like at least like it's lefty you know, like I'm just I'm just fucking knocking on wood that no real violence has happened down there yet. You yeah, know? I mean we'll we'll see as things. I mean, if you go to progress. another city, you know that's that's my concern. Is you go to like um, another city like Chicago or New York City where guns are more prevalent and yeah, there's real violence and there's gangs and there's more instigators and this mm-hmm. could get hairy real fast. Yeah, and literally the other side, this is the platform. This is like their go-to game for the rest of the year is going to be inciting more, you know, inciting more perceptions of violence and trying to incite violence in people so that they have a platform to run on like your cities are getting overrun. Yeah. You know, and and it just goes, you know, people are like, it's anarchy in Portland. It goes back to this. It's literally like one little block in this whole fucking city that there's some violent shit going down. And, you know, like, don't get caught up in that, you know, take a moment and call, call your, your son or your nephew or your friend and get a real perspective of what's going on. Out yeah. There. Yeah. You know? Yep. Yeah. Some shit, man. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I think that's a good spot to, uh, wrap it up. Okay. So cool, man. Yeah. I'm I glad appreciate you came it. over, dude. Yeah. I'm, Thank uh, you very much. I'm happy, happy to do this. I'm, um, it's good to see some humans talk to some people, have some discourse. Right. You know. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm uh, I'm stoked to get to talk about my photography a little bit. So, yeah. You know, if you get an opportunity, check it out, jordanangley.com. Yeah. Um, and I'm on Instagram too. Yeah, and I'll put that in the the comments as well cool. too. Yeah. yeah. Cool, man. Yeah. Thanks, Jordan. I appreciate it. Cool. Yeah. yeah.